0: Hi, Housing News listeners, this is Alcina Lloyd, and I'm the producer of this weekly podcast, which is a proud member of the Industry Syndicate. Today, you'll be listening to Episode 10 of Season 4 of the Housing News Podcast. In today's episode, Ben Cohen, Managing Director and Senior Vice President of Mortgage Lending at Guaranteed Rate, joins the Housing News Podcast to discuss how he became the company's second loan officer to fund $1 billion in loan volume in 2020. During the interview, Cohen also discusses how his team has adjusted to support origination volume as well as what guaranteed rate does to prepare its loan officers for success. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Now more than ever,
1: homeowners and borrowers of the future need to understand impacts and options during times of financial hardship. Freddie Mac has made home possible for 50 years and is committed to providing assistance and clarity to the housing market. Through All For Home SM efforts, Freddie Mac Single Family is leading the future of housing through insights, education, mortgage, and business solutions. Learn more about resources to help you
0: and the clients you serve at sf.freddiemac.com slash affordable lending. Thank you for listening, and here's the 10th episode of Season 4 of the Housing News Podcast.
1: Welcome to the latest episode of the Housing News Podcast. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at Housing Wire. And today we have such a treat. We're here with Guaranteed Rate's Ben Cohen, who is the Managing Director and Senior Vice President of Mortgage Lending out of Chicago. And Ben is now just the third person we've talked to this year that originated $1 billion in a year. And we're super excited to dive in and, and meet him. So Ben, welcome.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so I know everyone's excited to know your, uh, your secrets, but first, you know, one of the things we Like to ask people who are guests on this show is, how did you get into the mortgage business? Because very few people had sort of a straight line. So we'd love to know how you got into this.
2: Okay. So uh, I'll try to give you the Cliff Notes version of how I got into this. And I think I covered some of this with Sarah the other day. But the long and the short is, I have my degree in management information systems. I was a technical architect. So I was really what you call an IT consultant for the first. Seven years of my professional career after I graduated college. I traveled the world. I lived on airplanes. I flew 200,000 miles a year every year and uh, got to move overseas. Came back from overseas and moved back to the States. Started the rigmarole of continuing to get on an airplane, and I had kind of had enough. Um, I wanted to finally put some roots down. So uh, I was introduced to who is now my wife at the time. I was introduced to Terry. Terry, when we started dating, her father had known of a guy who owned a mortgage company. And at that point, I was trying to get into sales. You know, I had known at the end of the day in my IT career, that what I was really good at was developing relationships, but I wasn't the smartest guy when it came to computer programming or making computers talk to one another. So I kind of went out and I said, okay, maybe I'll get my real estate license. Maybe I'll get into pharmaceutical sales. I want some sort of a sales job. I knew that after spending seven years in kind of the professional workforce because at my then IT job, you know, everybody always wanted me to stay on the project. And I would always sit here and scratch my head and say, why do you want me? I I am not the smartest guy in the world. I don't know all the technology and the behind the scenes, but it was the relationship and making that customer feel warm and fuzzy and giving them what they paid for. So that's how I knew I wanted to get into sales. And when I tried to get a sales job, I mean, I couldn't get a pharmaceutical company to give me the light of day to try and get into you know, pharmaceutical sales or medical sales. I mean, they would pick somebody right out of college versus somebody like me who had seven years of working in the professional workforce. Um, And I couldn't sit here for the life of me figure out why. Um, So that didn't work out. I took my real estate test to become a real estate agent. Then I thought, okay, I'm not the most sensitive or emotional guy in the world, so I don't know if I have it within me to kind of deal with the emotions of buying and selling homes. Um, And then at that point, my wife introduced me or my wife's father introduced me to somebody who owned a mortgage company. I met with him, uh, I think I was 27 at the time, so wasn't married, didn't have kids yet met with him, said, look, you know, I can teach you how to sell a mortgage. I can teach you how to to spell mortgage. And at the end of the day, the great thing about this job is you can control your own destiny. If you wanna get up and go to work every day, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. So at the end of the day, I'm never gonna put a cap on how many clients you can have or how much income you can or can't make. It's totally up to you. So, you know, rewind i basically was at a point where i said okay i talked to him again who's now my wife of 14 years i think strike kill me if i didn't know the exact number on that and i said listen i think i'm going to go for it you know it was a job making you know in the mortgage business for the most part you're a commission only employee so you know i said i'll take the plunge and i'll just kind of go off of what i think i'm good at which is building relationships and you know here we are 16 17 years later
1: that's so great and and really um, encouraging to think that this isn't even what you started in. And yet, obviously you've accomplished something pretty amazing with the uh, 1 billion in originations in one year. So seems like uh, the right path.
2: I hope so. You never know on the day, but I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, um, so you are the second loan officer at Guaranteed Rate to reach that milestone this year. So Sean Bonosian reached a billion dollars in origination earlier in the year. So, I mean, what what things does Guaranteed Rate provide that help you succeed in, in this way? One could be a fluke. Two, two is almost a trend. So I would love to know um, your perspective on that.
2: I mean, the platform, I kind of told Sarah this the other day. I mean, at the end of the day, Sarah, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where technology, um, people, leadership, you know, everything anybody would want from a sales organization, products, price, ability to execute, ability to control my own destiny, ability to be a CEO within a business. You know, I've built a business within a business at guaranteed rate and, you know, guaranteed rate being one of the largest retail lenders in the country that helps. You know, I always tell people, you know, they always ask me, why do I work where I work? And at the end of the day, you know, I tell people I get calls and get recruited all the time. Um, And it's pretty rewarding to not really waste anybody's time. You know, when somebody calls me, you know, I'm basically like, at the end of the day, there's really nothing you can do that's gonna make me, you know, leave the company I'm at, quite honestly. Um, And that's pretty rewarding. So, you know, it's all of the, there's, you can't point to one specific thing at the end of the day. But, you know, I guess the long answer to your short question is the entire platform, whether it's people, leadership, um, my staff, our technology, you know, the products that we have to offer, you know, what we can and can't accomplish and what differentiates, you know, myself and guaranteed rate from every other lender out there, quite honestly.
1: Thanks for, thanks for pulling us in on that. I, I think that's interesting. You know, everyone, when you reach a certain pinnacle, they want to know what's the secret of your success. And I know because you and I have already talked, you wouldn't say there's just one. But um, I would love to know, you know, what are some of the things you attribute your success to?
2: Hard work. It's not that secret. It's not that, it, it's not that difficult. And I feel that within any job you know, I'm, I'm given an opportunity and it's whether or not I can capitalize on that opportunity, you know, guaranteed rate gives me all the tools and that I need to be, that I need to have in order to be successful. So without that platform and without that, you know, that guidance and that leadership and that mentorship. You know it's all basically up to me and it's up to any other loan officer you know at the end of the day how hard what you know you get what you get what's that old saying that figure feet? you get out of it what you put into it and i mean that couldn't be more true you know i get up you know i i joke with a lot of people when they want to hear my success stories i mean i used to work a hundred hours a week at my i.t job i would fly out on monday morning to california every week i would be on the 6 a.m flight I'd get there at 830. I'd work a full day. I'd fly home on Thursday night or Friday night. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, I mean, right now, you know, guaranteed rate allows me to just work much more efficiently. So I've never worked harder in my entire life. So I, I work a lot of hours, but at the end of the day, they're efficient hours and I am, you know, I tell everybody the words inefficiency, inefficient don't register in my vocabulary. I'm just not programmed to think that way. So, you know, I don't know, again, another long rambling answer to your short question, but it all boils down to hard work and work ethic. It's it's, it's in your DNA. You either have it or you don't, you know, I, I truly believe that whether you're a mortgage originator you're an athlete or you're a CEO or, you know, you're a salesperson, it's hard to teach that skill set of getting up and wanting to go to work every day, especially if somebody's not forcing you to do that, which in our business, nobody's forcing you and getting you and telling you, you have to get up at eight o'clock and be in the office till this time and that time. So, you know, I work a lot more hours than I ever did as a consultant, but they're much more efficient hours.
1: That's interesting. Are you a person who's like who charts out this is how much in production I want to do this year? And did you have this a specific goal for a billion dollars?
2: Yeah, you have to set goals, especially, you know, I believe you have to set goals with anything in life, whether you're, you know, you're my kids who play sports, and they want to make the A team next year, and they're on the B team. You know, I, I always at the end of the year, or at the beginning of the year, but if I'm doing things right, at the end of the year, I always just set out, you know, a path and goals for myself, what I want to accomplish personally, what I want to accomplish professionally, what I want my staff to be able to accomplish, what I want guaranteed rate to be able to accomplish, what I think I can provide, value that I can add, you know, whether that's the company, you know, my family, my staff, organizations that I'm a part of, my groups of friends, all of that stuff. You have to write your goals down because without goals, you have nothing to strive for, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I think that makes total sense. So walk us through a little bit, like you don't get to a billion in in one year. So last year you ranked number two in production as a loan officer in different lists, and that was like 639 million. I think that's correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Mm -hmm. like, you know, no one starts out at 639 million or a billion. So, so how did you get from the, you know, wh- what was your first couple years? What was a turning point year for you when you were like, oh, this is where I need to, I, I need to turn on the gas.
2: I mean, I think I just wake up and think that way every single day. Okay. Uh, you know, I have, I have daily goals. I have weekly goals. I have monthly goals and I have annual goals um and i try to just back into those numbers and try to go out and figure out what do i need to accomplish this day this week this month or this year because how do you accomplish your goals if you don't have a plan you know mm-hmm. and you have to break it down more granularly you know whether it's daily weekly monthly or annually um so that's kind of what i do you know i look at how many loans i originate every year at the end of the year i look at how many loans i originate versus how many loans I actually close. And that's how I kind of back into my numbers. You know, says, so look, I, I know I can physically talk to this many people in a, peer, in a 12 or a 14 hour day. And then based on my conversion rate, I think I can, you know, maybe my conversion rate is 50%. Maybe it was 40%. Maybe next year I want it to be 60%. So I am just always somebody that has their pedal to the metal um, you know, and strive for goals. You know, did I think a billion was attainable? Yes. Uh, did I think it was going to be extremely difficult? A hundred percent. It was a lofty goal. Um, but I set lofty goals because again, if you don't set those goals, how do you accomplish them?
1: Yeah, it's so true. I don't know um, if
2: that answers the questions yeah, or not. But.
1: It does. Yeah. No. You and I talked about a time in your life when, when I uh, several years ago, maybe six years ago or something, where you were you ran a like 150 million, and I think you said that you know you had made some changes then to your team and kind of what you were what you were focused on. Um, if you want to talk about that, yeah,
2: yeah. So you know, six years ago, and I think I brought up Mike and my and my the call that we had initially, Sarah, you know, Mike is kind of my COO, if you will. I um, it's kind of funny how it all happened. I knew who Mike was. I sat 20 feet from Mike when we were in corporate. Um, and Mike had several different hats that he wore at, within guaranteed rate, whether he was a trainer, a processor, or a, a loan originator. You know, you don't get to our level without having done every job in the assembly line. You know so you know that is a that is a critical component in this business of being successful is you have to learn the hard way sometimes right and in our business the hard way is a relationship referral so a referral source that you have tarnished because you screwed something up or it's a financial mistake that costs a lot of money but at the end of the day it's not the customers fault it's our fault so Um, when I was doing 150 million, I was miserable. Um, my staff was miserable. We weren't getting along that well. And one of the guys who worked for me, we were just, you know, he's like, Ben, I quit. I'm out. I can't handle it anymore. So I said, let's take a walk. And we walked around the block at corporate and lo and behold, Mike was, you know, also on a walk independently. And I had known Mike, but again, didn't know Mike that well. And I said, Mike, let me ask you a question. Here's where our situation is. You know, this person's overloaded. This person's overloaded. This person's miserable. This person wants to quit. You know, what do I do? And Mike being the leader that Mike is, you know, four days later, I had a whole plan put in place by Mike saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is how we're going to realign. This is who we're going to go out and try and hire. And this is how we're going to take you from, you know, one level to the next level. And here we are six years later. So I owe a ton of credit to Mike in that regard. Cause without Mike, I wouldn't even be close to where I am today.
1: Yeah. And I just want to say that's Mike Dye, your production manager, correct?
2: Yes. That's Mike Dye. Yes. You know, Mike allows me to be, as he says, his words, not mine, the shiny disco ball. So You know, he allows me to focus my activities on income producing activities, meaning creating relationships, closing mortgages, selling the mortgages, and Mike works with me to alleviate all the stress I have at all the 8 billion problems we have on every file these days, especially with COVID and all the rules and regulations and the changes. You know, we get hit with changes every other day on different, you know, guidelines that change or nuances that pop up and you have to be real sharp and on your toes and understand what it is you have to offer so you can be successful. You know, I like to think a lot of my success stems from just experience, knowledge, expertise. You know, I like to teach you know, when I ask somebody and I'm selling them a mortgage, do you have a, do you feel like you understand everything or how does it feel? Eh, It's fine. Well, fine is a word that doesn't register in my vocabulary. Fine. I feel like the same way I feel about the word hate. It's just a real strong word. So at the end of the day, I kind of pride myself on making sure that You know, customers are, you know, I treat a customer the way I want to be treated when I'm buying something, whether it's a house or a car or uh, anything that you go out and buy any sort of consumer good or consumer product that you do. And that's why I think we've been real effective, because at the end of the day, I think a lot of people have a hard time putting their themselves in the customer shoes. And they just focus on, you know, what they know. We take our job for granted. Not everybody understands what principal and interest is or what taxes are, what assessments are, what mortgage insurance are, or what's a hard closing cost or a soft closing cost. So, you know, education is just key in our business and making people feel warm and fuzzy that they're not going to have any surprises in the 23rd hour goes a long way.
1: Well, you know, you've talked about relationships and the, you know, the primacy of that for you and and for your team. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your team and how you've grown your team in such a way that it can support this kind of volume?
2: Yeah, I mean, you have to just lay out it. It's similar to setting goals, right? So at the end of every year, we have to go out and we have to set up an org chart. And I find out and I sit down with Mike and we fine tune that org chart. And we say, okay, here's where we excel. Here's where we need improvement. Here's where we're very weak. Um, and we fill out and we identify roles and responsibilities of where we need to improve and where we need to fill in the gaps of, you know, how we manufacture a loan from A to Z, how we run our business development, how we take care of all our referral sources, how we take care of all our past customers, and we just fill in the gaps. And that's something that I've always spoken to Victor about. You know, at the end of the day, he operates his business the same way. You know, it's all about putting that org chart together and figuring out, you know, in order to take it to the next level, what do we need to fill in? What gaps do we need to fill in? So that's kind of how we attack it on an annual basis. And then we also look to promote within. So if you start, you know, we have people that have started out as an operations assistant, um, you know, doing the most basic tasks of a mortgage that you could possibly imagine to now running a pipeline and, you know, solution providing and problem solving. So that's also important to us is just growth within our staff and making sure that they always have somewhere else that they can move to and they're not gonna be stuck in this same job for the next 25 years. Because we also care about growth, which is why, you know, with my staff specifically, our turnover is very, very, very low. And we pride ourselves on that.
1: Um, so that's, that's really amazing, especially this year. It's been, you know, a very, uh, it's a very competitive environment for staff, for operations people, for LOs, yeah. you name it. So interesting that, um, you know, that's one of the things you focus on is just, you know, building them up and building their career.
2: You have to. I mean, how do you get people that want to work hard for you and spend the time and the dedication and the hours that the job requires if they don't have a path forward? You know, I feel the same way. I don't want to originate mortgages for the rest of my life. Uh, You know, it's amazing and I love what I do, but there's also a calling out there for me ultimately one day to turn it over and give the keys to the castle to somebody else, whether I just focus on relationships or I take a more executive level approach and I take my skills and my ability of what I've crafted over the last, you know, couple of 15, 20 years and, you know, teach people the tools because it's an art you know, the ability to sell. Whether you're selling a pen, a pharmaceutical, uh, a medical device, a mortgage, you know, it is an art. And being able to re- you know, relate to a customer is, is, is 90% of the battle.
1: Well, you know, we, we keep hearing that it's going to be a purchase year at some point that it's going to be a, a mm-hmm. purchase market again, um, although, you know, obviously it's it's. Uh, we, we were talking about that this time last year and we had no idea what was coming or the low rates that would throw us into the refi boom, but um, you know, relationships are so key to both refi and purchase, but especially purchase. So, so tell me a little bit about that. How do you make sure that your staff and you and and everyone who's working there is really focused on the relationship?
2: Yeah, so we talked about this the other day. I think, uh, you know, this is a unique opportunity because you've got a lot of loan off. You know, you've got loan officers. We're all having a banner year. Okay, I don't care whether you do five million a year or you do a billion dollars a year. It's all relative. It's all scalable. So at the end of the day, you know, we talked about this, if I'm not mistaken, Sarah, on our kind of phone interview the other day, it's like, I look at these as opportunities to capitalize on other people's failures, okay? others people's failures are, they get so inundated with refinances, that's that's all they care about, that's all they wanna do, you know, it's, you can shake a tree and get three refinances out of it when you've got every homeowner in America essentially eligible to refinance their mortgage. But what they do fail is they fail on capitalizing on the people that got them here, okay? So, you know, those are the referral sources. We are in a business, at least where I'm at within Guarantee Way, is I'm all referral driven. So at the end of the day, I am never going to forget the people that got me here. So staying in front of those people, still continuing to call on those people, not take those people for granted and just hope that they're going to continue to send me business because I get on calls every single day when I'm building new relationships of people that are disappointed and their guy or their girl, quote unquote, right. their mortgage professional. They don't hear from, they don't get anything out of it. They don't have the vision to support what they can do to help, you know, embrace all the cool technology that we have to offer, referral sources. So it's always a fun time for me. You know, that's why I never freak out in a raising rate environment, because in a raising rate environment, I hope that a lot of people get out of the business that shouldn't be in the business. And there's just more opportunities. So, you know, I try to live my life and live my career more, um, optimistically than pessimistically if you will because that's just kind of how I'm programmed it's like when I talk to people about COVID all day every day you know in my business the great thing about the mortgage business is I have a client in every single profession out there whether if it's a pro athlete or a doctor or a salesperson or an executive assistant Uh, down the line from top to bottom, I service every sort of clientele out there. And it's very interesting. And, you know, in my business, especially these days with the pandemic, you know, you've got to get people to think positively. And there's a a lot of negativity out there in the world these days. And I just don't do that. You know, if I've got a client that's real negative, I'm going to just tell that person that I'm not the right fit for them. I can't have negativity um you know with me or with my staff you know at the end of the day i have to remind people that we're on the same team together and this business right now requires a lot of therapy uh a lot of i, I tell everybody you know 50 percent of my day i feel like i'm a therapist just trying to keep people at ease and sure. you know, all the pressure that life brings and you know, somebody's buying a home and their time frame might be off a little bit. And just kind of, you know, that soft and soothing and calming voice that I try to have on people where I just try to tell people, look, everything's going to be okay. At the end of the day, you know, I mean, whatever the situation or the circumstance might be. So, you know there's a lot of people that have it you know whether they can't close on their refinance on the day they want it you know these aren't life and death problems that we're dealing with here i have to remind people of that so that's why I kind of i mean it's it's true but it's 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 somewhat cliche i legitimately pay therapists half of my day right now with people and just trying to keep them relaxed and think positively you know, Ben, I'm buying this house and, you know, I I feel like it's going to under appraise. Well, why do you feel that way, Jay? You know, help me understand. Well, this person said that and that person said that. I said, listen, how about we don't worry about your appraisal until we have something to worry about? Let's see what happens once, you know, maybe your appraisal will be just fine. And now you're going to sit here and worry for the next two weeks and look back and realize you had nothing to worry about. So, yes. I don't know, maybe I should have been a doctor in my previous uh, life. But, uh, you know, that's the story, I guess.
1: It, it makes sense for me, especially now. But even if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic with with all these uncertainties, I just do think this is just one of those touch points in people's lives that they're going to remember you. They're not going to remember a lot of things. They're going to remember you and how it felt during this process. And someone who can who can bring them that assurance seems like, you know, a great way to remember it
2: absolutely you know they'll remember you good or bad too right and i always want that transaction to end on a positive note you know the worst thing that can happen in our business is that we've taken your loan from a to z for the most part it's been great it was smooth the process was fantastic now you get to the closing and all of a sudden your closing takes twice as long as you thought um right or you know, something along those lines, you know, that, that, that's, that's a really tough pill to swallow for us loan originators out there. When you've done such a great job to get that loan done from A to Z, you've met all the timeframes, you've done everything on time, you've exceeded those timeframes a lot of times, um, And then all of a sudden there's one little hiccup at closing that might not even have been your fault, but at the end of the day, you know, I always take the approach where the lender on the transaction, I always take accountability for everybody even though 90% of the time it's not my accountability, right? But that's just kind of how I'd run from my business, you know? I also tell everybody, you know, I'm not afraid of constructive criticism or negative feedback, you know? If somebody's unhappy, I'm not gonna run from that. I'm gonna pick up the phone and I'm gonna understand why they're unhappy because maybe they're unhappy because they just don't know any better maybe their expectations were out of line and they just don't understand what it's like under the hood these days in our world and all the different things that we have to do. So, you know, that's another kind of key component to all of this too is I feel like a lot of people run from that and you can't, you know, how can I improve? I am certainly not perfect, right? I might be really good at what I do, but there's always rooms for improvement and how, if somebody's not going to be open and honest with me, and tell me where things were great and where things weren't great. How can I improve? So that's a big piece of it as well.
1: Well, that's awesome. My last question uh, for the podcast today is: is really like, let's look at next year. You you originated a billion in loans this year. What is the goal for next year? And do you just keep do you just keep amping it up?
2: Um. No, my good. Next year, I hope to do 50 million next year. That's it. I'm, I'm retiring. I'm kicking my feet up. I'm calling it a day. <laughs> no, no yeah, I mean, listen, eventually you, uh, eventually you get to a point where you, I, I'm going to set goals, but I'm not going to set unrealistic goals either. You know, is it realistic for me to go and originate $2 billion in mortgages? Maybe. Uh, do I want that lifestyle? i you know I really don't you know there's a point where there's qu- there's a quality of life balance. you know I have three young kids at home i don't want to you know everybody in the world tells me ben don't miss out on this or don't miss out on that because before you know it, your kids aren't going to want anything to do with you at the end of the day so you know my my goal isn't always necessarily volume driven it's you know spending time with my family and my friends and the other important things in life and just jobs and, you know, making money and all the accolades that come along with it. Now, don't be fooled. I definitely have a goal of doing more than I did this year. Is it double or triple? I don't know yet. I haven't really thought back on that. You know, I get that week of, you know, the, you know, Christmas to new year's where I really sit back and reflect and, try to figure out, okay, what do I want to accomplish next year? Remember, I talked earlier in this podcast of professional goals and personal goals. And, you know, I don't believe you just define success by how many loans you originate, whether it's a hundred million or a billion, there's other things in life and just, you know, that, so it's twofold. That that, that We could spend a lot of time on that one, but, you know, the, I guess, again, the long, the, the long answer to your short question is, my goal will be more than what it was this year. Um, I don't know what that number is yet, but I'm also getting older and my kids are getting older. And you know, family is very important to me as well. So that is equally as important of how many loans I originate. It's how much time do I get to spend with my family? I wanna make sure I can go to my kids' baseball games all summer long and, you know, spend some time with them. Cause this year has been really tough you know, really tough, a lot of long hours. It's, you know, it's a 24-7 job when you're doing the numbers that we're doing.
1: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you, um, you know, giving us insight into the way you think and the way you guys operate, how you built your team. We just really appreciate it. And it's been a joy talking to you. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me anytime. I love it. So anytime you guys ever have any questions or, you know, I'll always make myself available and I appreciate you guys inviting me onto it.
1: Well, we will invite you back this time next year. How's that? We'll
2: talk about <laughs> That sounds awesome. like a great idea. The Perfect. Great Perfect. You got
0: a deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ben. So much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Housing News Podcast. Please don't forget to give us feedback and rate us on iTunes. Also, make sure to check out HousingWire's latest podcast, The Daily Download, which is a daily wrap of HousingWire's hottest stories, now available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you next week.